never taken a workout class taught by an Indian person before, or quite frankly, a regular body person, someone who was in a bigger body, a body that looked like mine. In fact, most of my beauty and body standards, when I think of my ideal body and what I'd like to be able to do with it, don't actually come from women who look a lot like me. They come from standards of beauty that I most likely will never be able to look like. And over the years, I have wrestled with what that means to me. What does strong mean to me? What can movement look like? Healthy living. And all of it is a bit of its own personal journey. My body has changed a lot from trying to become pregnant and living in my pregnant body. It has stretched and grown, especially in places I especially in the places I never really wanted it to, like my boobs, like my boobs are literally growing from the sides and places that I couldn't even fathom knowing could change. So for me right now, I've found my little dude loves to move. So we work out, we strength train, we stretch, do yoga, we walk, we swim. But in this same body, as much as I'd love to be kind and confident to it, I am planning on what I'll do as soon as he gets out of me, how I'll try to fit into this ideal image of a body that I want, that I'll lose the weight and that I'll lose it fast. These standards, what we believe we are supposed to be capable of and what movement actually should mean to us are so gargled with expectation, sometimes with shame and oftentimes with no clear picture of what a healthy relationship with body can look like. And that's really not fine, is it? Hey, I'm Rachel, and this is the It's Fine Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Divya Balakrishna, a yoga educator and lifestyle blogger. On this episode... We'll talk about how we can change our physical health and wellness practices from outcomes-driven to actual internal motivation, how our body ideals and ways to change are often layered with Western ideals, and how to challenge those beliefs, how to challenge yourself to build internal values around your health and wellness. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I remember when I was probably like 11 is when I started like growing boobs and like my breasts were like coming in the first time I ever went to the store with like my aunts and my mom and it was so embarrassing because like I realized that my body type was different than even I think like my mom's and there was always comments about like how I was so big my boobs are too big and oh you need to cover it and so like even at that age like I was so ashamed of my body and not because I don't think it was necessarily intentional, but you see people noticing you and like the things in your body that like are not status quo or are different. And you talk a little bit about your own body image journey, right? And like the navigating through like what does health and activity mean for you? What were some of the things that came up like for you, even at that young age that kind of informed your own journey of healing? For me, it was moments of discovery are became like the biggest thing that I would look for. So when I first started practicing yoga and I felt my body for the first time and that that mind body awareness really clicked in for me, it, I didn't feel like I was just like 
a robot operating a meat suit. I actually felt like I am in control. I am driving this narrative. I have full control. And that's a really powerful feeling. And I unlocked that a few times in a few different ways. Sometimes it was just through building stamina. Stamina became a huge thing for me. Being able to do Surya Namaskar without needing to take a break, which it's fine. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. But for me, it was just like new limits that I was finding myself pushing past without putting in any level of exertion that was like unsafe or anything like that. And then when I got into different types of postures, like arm balances and inversions, it made me feel really powerful and it made me realize I actually don't need to be skinny. I don't need to be small. I don't need to be fair skinned or whatever. Like none of that stuff has any bearing on what I'm able to do. And even what I'm able to do wasn't always a direct result of my physical capability. It was more about my mental state. And that's not a blanket statement. I realize that's not going to apply to everyone and that physical ability very much does affect your practice. But just given that I've always been in the body that I am, I just found myself being able to do more and more things that I had been told for so long. It's empowering to be able to prove things to yourself, even if it's just for yourself. One of the things that really stuck out to me about what you said was around the limitations that we place on ourselves when it comes to what we think our bodies are capable of. There were a lot of limiting beliefs that I placed on what my body was capable of. Like I wasn't the athlete. I wasn't capable of doing those things. And so I think like we naturally because we think our bodies are not a certain way or look a certain way, that we are not capable of doing things to build that athleticism, build that strength, like challenge our bodies to do things. I definitely know that I have shied away from pushing myself really until I was like in my mid twenties when I realized, oh, I can build my own definition of what the strength and what my body can do and what movement can look like. What are some of the things that kind of inform like the mental part of you to then be able to take, like really take back and take control of what movement can look for you, particularly in your practice? The biggest thing that helped me mentally was to let go of the idea of perfection and to let go of the idea of a certain outcome. So anytime that I discovered this new facet of yoga, whether it was unlocking a level of athleticism in me, I let myself lead with curiosity rather than lead with an expectation. And that can make a world of difference. For example, when I say yoga is a technology and it's a tool, there was a point when I was in college and I, one of the degrees that I did was art practice and I'm a painter. So I was surrounded by oil paint a lot, fumes of really toxic oil paint a lot of the time. So I'd come home after 12 hours of painting and have the worst migraines. And this was happening for years on end. I didn't want to be taking medicine. I didn't want to be like doing anything that didn't feel right for me to do long term. So I was looking for other solutions. And one day I thought, why not, why not try to incorporate yoga and see what I can get from the practice to help me in this case. And I learned about how inversions are really great for circulation, for things like relieving headaches and migraines. So that's what led me to start practicing inversions. And that was what led me to do my first headstand. One of the most athletic feats that I have done in my life was learning how to do a headstand unsupported by a wall, starting off supported by a wall, but eventually building two off. And it's funny because I didn't lead with the expectation of I'm going to learn how to do a headstand because I want to stand on my head and I want to do this thing. It was, I have this very 
tangible real life problem and I want to incorporate my practice, which is meant to be more of like a lifestyle support or a lifestyle guide to facilitate this or to support me in a time of need. And that's what led me to doing this thing that was like a huge accomplishment for me at the time. It really is more about like leading with curiosity and like seeing what you can find along the way. And as a person who is very stubborn, I'm a Taurus, I am a bit bullheaded. It's really hard sometimes to go in without having a certain expectation or to allow yourself to be disappointed if you're not meeting what you thought you would, because there is a lot to be gained along the way. I'm a Taurus too. So like I go into everything with like expectation and I get really frustrated and disappointed in myself. And I think that's like what has shifted for me when it comes to just like my physical health is that I believe at this stage of my life, and quite frankly, I think throughout, it's still very hard for me not to look at the weight on the scale or look at the way my body looks and not say, okay, I am not living up to a certain expectation or a certain ideal. But what I am trying to do is reframe my mind around what does strong feel like and what is flexibility look like and what does longevity look like for me because one of the things that I have gone to yoga for and have built as a part of my like personal physical daily practice is just the ability to not feel pain anymore because I would have back pain and the hip pain and things like that. And I noticed that if I was willing to just do a little bit of movement, even if it was uncomfortable for me, that has influenced the way that I am able to operate in my life. Like I don't feel that pain anymore. But it's really hard because if you carry these expectations of I'm going to do like yoga every day and I'm going to get really toned. If that's like your goal, you lose out on everything that you can potentially experience in learning about yourself and learning about what you're capable of learning, what your body can do. I am curious being a Indian woman and, and building this community, what has it been like for you to like break down what would you would say like Western yoga and what are some of like the perspectives that you've brought and have seen right in building your own community and what it means to be an educator? It's very much a process of of experimentation. A lot of what I do, I try not to let myself be influenced by what I see or what's trending or what the algorithm might favor, which is, it's very, it can be very frustrating because a big part of what I have allowed this to become is reaching more people and helping more people learn about what yoga can really be for them and the potential it has to change their lives for the better beyond just having a yoga body or whatever that means. So for me, it's starting to become a little bit more about incorporating elements of yoga philosophy into the practice that most people are going to turn to. So most people are going to turn to yoga in the channels of physical practice, asana, in the practice of meditation or concentration, dhyana, and the practice of energy control or pranayama via breathwork. Those are the three main channels that I try to focus on with my educational content, but I try to draw on elements of yoga philosophy. So for example, where we might be used to seeing tutorials on how to tone your glutes using these poses, I try to instead not go overly philosophical because I know some at the end of the day, people are going to still want to tie it back to anchor it back to something that they're trying to accomplish. So I'm like, all right, so if you're trying to whatever, work on your strength or build your muscle, whatever it might be, let's take it from the angle of tapas, of intensity and of building inner heat. 
And how can we incorporate that concept with yoga practice or with asana? How can we use our skills that we've built in meditation to develop a better mind-body connection? How can we increase the awareness that we have of the muscles in our body so that if we do end up doing a practice that is like a conditioning movement or even taking it out of asana and into other movement practices like weightlifting. So it's always a balance of giving people what they want, but using those as teachable moments to sneak in some philosophy and just normalize leading with philosophy or keeping those things in mind as you're doing other things. So that way, over time, I think it helps people be a little bit less attached to outcomes or be outcome driven and start along the way tuning into the journey. So if you just start out, for example, using a tutorial, say three different ways to build your glute muscles versus three different ways to incorporate tapas into your asana practice today, over time, people are more likely to think about the philosophical elements and eventually they might even let go of the outcome. I would be hard pressed to say that that like people's initial journey to health and wellness isn't outcomes driven to some degree, right? Like we're all told you need to fit into a certain body and you want to wear certain clothes or there's this event or whatever. There's always something. I'll be honest as like, I'm 21 weeks pregnant right now. And so in recording this episode, like I would be lying to you if I didn't say that I'm thinking about what my postpartum body will look like and how can I get back to a version of myself that I feel more comfortable in my skin because my body has stretched and changed and whatever. Like I'd be lying to you if I said that that isn't something that like crosses my mind often actually, because like we all want to look and feel our best. But I think what you're saying and what you're sharing with us today is like, what can be different is like how we think about the connection of our mind and like the practices and the philosophies that we build. Cause ultimately I think that helps us create a better relationship with these practices that we build. And I think it also helps us not give up as easily. Right. Because like when you're saying like, how do I get my butt to look a certain way? <laughs> and then you do this for three weeks and you're like, my butt doesn't look that great. It, it's easy to give up. It's easy to not want to keep going. And when, at least for me, the physical habits that I have built in my 20s have really helped shape the woman that I am. And like, honestly, they help keep me grounded and stable. How have you walked away from some of this like outcome driven perspective and built like sustainable health and wellness practices? It's funny, when I was younger, I was extremely routine driven. I would be one of those people who would have a piece of paper and I'd write down, wake up at seven, 7 to 7.30, do this. 7.30 to 7.45, do this. 7.45 to 8.30, do this. And I was so regimented because I was extremely outcome-driven at that point in my life. And for a certain period of time, it worked. But as soon as I stopped, as soon as I reverted and just kind of let go of those habits and didn't think about the underlying long-term habits that I needed to build, meaning mindset habits, everything was undone. Any progress that I made in whatever area I was trying to make progress, everything was undone and then some. And it was around the time, that time that I realized outcome-driven approaches don't really work for me. It needs to be a little bit more internally motivated. I need to have a bigger reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. So I've also realized that just the way that my personality works, I am very, I need like stimulation. I need to be curious. I need to want to like understand something. I need change. So 
I realized that doing the same routine again and again doesn't work for me because it doesn't keep me excited to get on the mat, so to speak, even though it's not always applying to yoga. I realized that rather than saying I want to look a certain way or whatever, appeal to a certain type of body type, it makes more sense for me long term if I'm driven by things like I want to feel really comfortable in my skin or I want to feel healthier or I want to be able to continue doing these practices or I want to be able to do this type of practice safely or I want to have enough stamina to accomplish XYZ. And those became better, more sustainable drivers for me. And things that I feel like are more in line with my life philosophy and the kind of person I want to be. And I think bringing that element into my classes is something that people appreciate because then there's always something that you can take with you off the mat and into your day. If you really over compartmentalize movement, it begins, it can, not that it will, it can feel like a chore to some people and it's not enough of a driver to continue your practice. So if you're doing an asana practice that's going to help you, that's themed around, for example, building stamina, Really what I'm teaching people is how to discern the difference between discomfort and like truly being in pain or being in danger. Because discomfort isn't something that you always need to walk away from. If you can learn to live in a little bit of discomfort and maybe you learn that through holding warrior one a little bit longer than you normally would or maybe by reaching a little bit further in forward fold, maybe over time you learn to sit in discomfort a little bit longer when it comes to making a life decision or being more open to a change that you would not have before, like moving to a new city because you're so afraid of the discomfort of that, that you would have walked away before. But now because you've learned to sit with the discomfort, maybe now you've learned a little bit of grace and a little bit more patience. Maybe you give yourself a little bit more time for good things to start happening if you stop trying to rush the process. And that was my driver like back to that bull in a china shop metaphor, like I've always been someone who, for whatever reason, like I rush through decision making, I'm very like rash and harsh in my decisions sometimes, or in my interpersonal sort of relationships. And in my practice, through my practice, I've learned a lot more grace and a lot more patience. And I practice that every day now, even with day to day conversations in the way that I handle challenges that life throws my way. I've learned to be a lot more gracious with myself. And that is probably one of the best things I could have done for my long term health. I think a lot of us are so outcomes driven that we don't create the space to build these actually sustainable and healing practices for our bodies. So like, thing is like stamina and like being able to push our bodies a little bit more feeling comfortable in our skin, right? These are things that don't have like an necessarily like an outcome. These are like things that are ongoing journeys that like shift and change over time. Like my stamina at 60 is going to look really different as from my stamina at 30. I think we often want to be able to keep pushing, keep seeing like more and more, but then that's where the grace of our bodies like really come in. I had a great conversation with someone that I do like a strength training classes with. And one of the things that she shared with me when I told her like, Hey, I want to be able to get back. I want my body back. Right. Like after I have my, my baby and she was like, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. Like we're going to get you the body that is like your new body, like the body after which you have 
done something really incredible like you carried life you gave birth whatever there is a new body waiting for you on the other side and so i think that's like something that we all have to wrestle with that if we move away from this outcome and we think about who do i want to be in my body today what are my goals what does it mean for you to take care of your mind and body now like shifting away from routines and like having to be in a certain place be at 7:45 at this place and whatever what is your body and mind care look like right now I have days where I speak to myself really poorly and I don't nourish myself because it satisfies something else. The two things that I've started to lead with are one, don't force myself into having the same kind of physical practice throughout my week, throughout my one, my month, especially as a woman, we do go through our own hormonal cycle and we're not really built to sustain the same types of practices and energy levels throughout the month. Like our body is literally transforming constantly having a uterus i feel like i need to like respect the knowledge and the intuition that comes with that for me the goal becomes how do i support myself how do i give my spirit what it needs it's not about how do i make my body look a certain way the other thing is also nourishing myself a little bit more intuitively i'm a very creature of comfort kind of gal like i love the things that i love to eat like sweets and all these things and i have learned through a lot of evolution in my life how to exist coexist with these things without demonizing them and without overly relying on them as well so for me now it's about how do i balance giving myself what i need and what i want food affects people differently. You can't give someone the same exact, and when I say diet here, I don't mean like a deficit diet. I just mean the foods that you eat diet, right? You can't give someone from one part of the world with one ethnicity, the same foods as someone from a different part of the world with a different ethnicity and expect it to affect them the same. Our bodies have gone through like hundreds and thousands of years of history and evolution to adapt based on the places that we're in, the conditions that we lived under and the resources we had, the sustenance that we had available to us. So learning to stop punishing myself because my body reacts differently to certain food than other people has been the number one key in giving myself more mental peace and having a more sustainable approach to reaching the goals that I have, like feeling more comfortable or feeling like I don't ache or feeling like healthy and energetic. I have a question for you because I feel like I've gone on a similar journey in the sense, particularly when it comes to nourishment. I am also like a sweets girl. I love some chips. Like I, I like those are all like these are all foods that like I think we all like. Right. But then as I've looked at my own body and also just like, how do I actually feel? And one thing that's super important to me is my digestive health. Shout out if I poop on a daily basis that is like the best thing that can ever that that is the highlight of my day welcome to being over 30. <laughs> at at time i would look at my body and be like why is this not happening to me but then realizing like there are things that i have to put in my body to achieve that goal right like my digestive health is number one and i am curious do you talk a little bit about in, in intuitive eating right and like the journey to get there like for me that's look okay what is going to help me achieve the goal that I set for myself, which like I'll use my digestive health as like one that's very important to me, right? Because I know that if I am like sitting with my digestion in a weird place, I'm cranky, I am angry, I am not like I am not able to do what I like to do. And that is just I can't do it. I can't live my life like that. And so that motivated me to then say, okay, I can intuitively want 
cookies, but like what I actually like, what my body is intuitively needing is like fiber, greens, whatever. I think people don't trust that their own intuition when it comes to caring for their bodies, because like ultimately we all want cupcakes and pizza. And like, how do you actually give your body what you, what it needs? The first thing for me was realizing what I said earlier about like the genetics and evolution and the fact that I really can't eat the way that Western culture has told me I should eat to accomplish certain things. And I will not reach the goals that I have in mind if I eat the way that they tell me to because their entire system of like food regulation and like recommendations and nutrition is not relative enough to all the people who are listening to it. Like we all just take a lot of these health guidelines as like universal without realizing that there was a very specific person that they used as like their model or patient zero, whatever, that they were modeling all of this around. And then having that realization enlightened me to the fact that I need to go back to my roots. I need to go back to look at what my ancestors were eating, what they were doing, how they were cooking, how they were preparing food. Were they microwaving things or were they slow cooking things over open fire? And how can I replicate that, right, to assist my digestion, which is ultimately going to be the thing that affects so much in our health. It's going to affect like your mood. It's going to affect your reproductive system. It's going to affect your stamina, all these things, like our energy comes from how we digest our food. And there are certain foods that are more digestible to me that are going to be absorbed better, that are going to release more energy to me. And understanding how to incorporate that in a way that made sense for me was the biggest unlock. I had the same realization as you as sometimes I'm like, I'm craving a cookie, but maybe I'm really craving fiber. I do have a bit of an addictive personality. It's still, it's very much an emotional thing. There are people out there, there are schools of thought where they're like, if you want a cookie, just have a cookie, just don't have 10. And there are other schools of thought. They're like, if you know that you're prone to not being able to just have one and walk away from it, especially if you've been raised in a culture where food is a reward, where food is a comfort, it's very psychological. It's not that you're weak and have a hard time walking away from it while other people can really not be bothered. It's very much chemical. It's like psychological. It's deeper than what people say it is. So sometimes you just find an alternative, right? Like for me, something that's really worked is looking at where I have deficits in my nutrition. Like I'm, I do not get enough protein in a day. And in times in my life where I have focused and taken in a lot more protein, I feel really good. And I really accomplish a lot of what I want to, like having more energy, building strength. So sometimes I just find ways to cook up new concoctions using the nutrients that I think I, I might actually need. So like maybe I'm making like little protein balls using like dates and like chocolate chips and and like cashews or whatever else I might add in and make my own version of that satisfies what I want. But it's also like giving me what I need at the same time. So it, it's a process, I think. And also learning to retrain my palate to appreciate the ingredients. I realized the food I ate growing up, because like my parents cooked like primarily Indian food and that's what I ate growing up, was like everything had ginger in it, right? Everything had turmeric in it. Everything had like the core ingredients is like onions, like onions, ginger, garlic, turmeric. Like these were like the core and like the base of a lot of cooking that like I ate growing up. And then I went to college and I grew up in a house where you didn't, we didn't eat out. Like we didn't eat American food. We didn't eat, we didn't go out to restaurants, like things like that. Right. Like we just ate the food that like my mom made. Right. And so 
going out on my own, I was like, oh my God, I want all the pizza. I want all the ice cream. I want everything. And I did that. And I, and it's funny because I think sometimes it's really easy to be like, okay, I feel bad, but it tastes good. Like I definitely can't eat ice cream the way I used to. And like probably never really could, but you push it, right? Like you push it. You're like, I could do it. I could do it. And I think that's something that like, there is this intentionality in living a better than fine life where just because like you feel good about something doesn't mean that like it's what is actually better than fine, right? When we settle for like discomfort, I know people in their like 30s and 40s who like are getting like feel bad a lot because like we want to like settle for what tastes good in our mouths rather than like doing the hard work of questioning like how can I get what I need for my body in this moment of my life and at this time. That doesn't mean that like you should like never eat a cookie again. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think ultimately what I want to encourage folks to do is check yourself, feel your body, ask yourself tough questions. You might need to change your diet. Like you might need to change some things around, but like that allows you to live a better than fine life because ultimately you're choosing to love your body in its state and what it needs right now. Divya, as we close today, I would love to just ask you, as in your own journey of being able to heal through yoga, through heal through mindfulness, what's not fine about just sitting in the status quo, living an outcomes-driven life, right? And not really challenging like how you live and operate in your body in a way that can be like healthy for you. I would say if you're really on a journey to becoming your best, and you're not just taking on these practices because you want to look a certain way or you want to accomplish something in particular. If you're really doing this because you want to be your best, it is going to help you the most to let go of these expectations, let go of perfectionism altogether, and instead give yourself a new motivation. Give yourself a more internal motivation as that's what's going to take you the long run. That's what's going to take you through all of the setbacks, all of the ups and downs in your motivation, the ups and downs in support, the ups and downs in your results. The only thing that's really going to carry you is if you have a sustainable, unshakable internal motivation. And that has to be something that's going to apply to you outside of your whatever your physical practice might be. Bringing it back to something that you can see yourself applying in other assets of your life, other aspects of your life. Like how can I build stamina? How can I build resilience? How can I build endurance? How can I build compassion and grace? These are all themes that you can apply in your physical practice, but that you can also apply in real life. And that's the best way to go about it. You're going to be with yourself the rest of your life. Your body will change throughout your life, no matter what you do. I don't care if you have the same routine, eat the same foods your entire life, your body will change regardless. So if you are trying to get closer to something, get closer to yourself. Don't get closer to your goals, get closer to yourself. And that will take you a lot farther. When you carry an internal motivation that allows you to always have something to orient to and 
this podcast is ultimately about values, y'all. Like at the end of the day, what are your values? Like what do you hold yourself to? And our values are always going to be internal, like Divya shared, right? Like the value that you carry around your body is going to be internal. Divya, I just want to thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate your time. And I hope that folks around you can really gather and find their internal motivation and then find their inner peace. It's been so lovely to have this conversation. Thanks for having me. So if you haven't guessed it already, body image, physical health is one of my it's finds. One of my 2024 goals is to create real sustainable motivation around my body. Because believe me, most of my life, I have focused on outcomes-driven goals for my body, like losing 20 pounds or getting rid of my belly fat or having smaller boobs. What matters to me more now is, of course, feeling comfortable in my body. I'm not going to lie to you. There are certain fashion that I like to adopt. I want to be able to lean into trends and use fashion as a way to express myself. And I want to feel good in the clothes that I wear. I also want to live pain and discomfort free. I want to poop regularly. (laughs) And I want to live healthy enough to live a whole and complete life that I can enjoy every day. I also want to spend some time really considering how my personal motivations will inform my life with my family, my son, and most importantly, how I will feel about myself in the future. I want it to make sense for us. I want it to be easy. I don't want to feel restricted. I also don't want to watch my kid binge because I've restricted the sweeter things in life. I want to taste the best of the world and not hold back. Will I find my version of better than fine in it? I guess you and I will have to wait and see. But I am tired of taking fine for an answer. I want more. I totally want more. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with me today. It means the absolute world that you would spend time listening to this podcast. Share this podcast with anyone who you think could benefit from the message of not settling for fine anymore. Share it with your sister, your cousin, your friends, your mom, your dog, your partner. I don't care. I would love to get the word out about why we don't have to settle for fine anymore. I can't wait to see you again next week. Talk soon.